Hi everyone, welcome to our new series of videos for Lurgan College Scripture Union. It's going to be called the In Conversation With and every week we'll be doing a short podcast style video where we bring in a visitor to come and talk with us, have a bit of fun, chat with them um, and also just get to know them better. Really missing SU at the minute and uh, we wish we could, we could be back but this is our current situation and we're trying to make the best of it. So most of you will be part of our SU and you'll have received your fleeces. We're also coming up with a couple more videos for our word series videos so keep an eye out for them. Um, but today we have John Green with us. John Green gives us a wee wave. Can we just get a couple of wee bits of information about yourself John, what your name is, what you do in your day to day and maybe tell us a wee joke. Sure, uh, so I'm John Graham or if some people know me as John T. Graham, not just to distinguish between me and a different John Graham. And I'm working here at Hill Street Presbyterian as the Assistant Minister. So uh, I've almost finished that, I've only a couple more months to do. And then I'm eligible for call. A joke, uh, let me see. What, why, why do French people like eating snails? Well, sure. Because <laughs> they don't like fast food. <laughs> yes. Brutal. Thank you. There's only a couple months of that left. So, John, in your day to day, you're here at Hill Street working. Are you still training, or what's that look like for you? Yeah. So, I actually did another assignment there yesterday for college. We still have to do one a month, and uh, I've passed all my exams. They're all officially done, but we still have some training that we have to do once a month for college. So yesterday we asked in our Instagram stories a few uh, questions. We updated you um, pretty much about everything I just said there a couple of minutes ago. Um, but we got used to ask a couple questions for John, so we're just going to do a wee quick fire round and then maybe with some of the more serious questions we'll uh, give John as much time as he wants. Um, so John, give us uh, what your favourite breakfast item is first. Favourite breakfast has to be porridge these days, so absolutely loving it the past three months. So porridge, right, I have it down to a tea. Porridge, uh, grapes, blueberries, banana, wee bit of granola, honey. No maple syrup? No maple syrup, just the honey. I, might, I haven't tried it, mate. I'll give it, give it a good, it's better than honey, I think, to be honest. suppose if you're going for porridge, our next question could fit in well. What's your gym routine? <laughs> gym routine? I don't really have a routine, so to speak. I. Uh, before this lockdown, I was crossfitting, so um, two or three times a week trying to get to crossfit. And since lockdown, I have taken up running. Okay. So doing lots of running, uh, furthest I've run so far, 16K. But in one run? Yeah, one run. Um, but usually running somewhere between 10, 12Ks and around that. And yeah, same for that, maybe do the old press up or whatever. But <laughs> I tried running in the first lockdown and see once that 5K, five, Donate five, that was that was me done. I couldn't You're, do it anymore. <laughs> the CrossFit man, that's where it's at. You need it. Is that like Pilates kind of stuff, or is it? Like... <laughs> no, it's it's just intense. It's intense like body weight, kind of Olympic oh, yes. movements yes, as well, yes. and it's just high intensity and it's great. I can't wait for the gym. I'm sure, you and mums everywhere love that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, blue or green milk? Out of the bicycle. So. Growing up, it was always blue, but recently I'm green. Okay. I, I don't know why. I don't know why. If I, it, yeah, probably blue tastes better, but I would agree there. But green, we are on green. Don't drink your calories, right? Black coffee, don't drink your calories. I uh, don't know what you mean by that. CrossFit, it's like. Oh, right. okay, 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 okay. <laughs> um, Cal was Calvin Small's question, and he's actually asked a wee follow-up question here. I think it's the question we're all asking ourselves these days. Are people who buy red milk going to heaven? <laughs> <laughs>
I mean, he's got yeah, a point. Like he's, yeah, like, There's no one who goes to the like as far down the road and is like, uh, I'll have a red, please. It's just a white flavored water, isn't it? It's just... I have no idea. Never had it. I'll never try it. But yes, I will assure the people that are Christians and who drink red milk that that'll still go to heaven. I'm sure. That's clear. It's disputed. Okay, a couple couple more questions. This is quite a popular question, John. It's uh, probably a real struggle for people at the minute, especially during lockdown. Um, have you ever struggled in your own faith, and how did you overcome that? Yeah, that is a good question. I think I think for all of us, we we go through ups and downs in the Christian journey. Um, typically, summertime is a real high for people because you go in summer camps or you go to like some New Horizon, and you're sitting way up here. And then September comes, you're still on a high, October, November, and you start to kind of plummet out. Schoolwork comes, mm. all assignments land on your desk, homework comes, and you get out of the routine of reading your Bible, you get out of the routine of praying, uh, and things become really difficult. And yes, whenever I was growing up, I think around the age of about 17 or so, I probably disengaged a little bit from my faith. Um, I was going through the motions, I, I was still going to church, still going along to the prayer meeting, um, but really inside it and behind it all, I, I probably wasn't owning my faith in a real way. And it wasn't probably till towards the end of Upper Sixth again where I started to engage again properly at a heart level with Christianity. Uh, and what changed there? Well, I discovered SU. I was playing lots of rugby and I, I never really went along to SU, but towards the end of Portland College, I got involved there. And then whenever I uh, turned into university, and met some really good Christian friends. That really started to transform me and I started to worship the Lord properly, um, engaging with him. But I want to encourage people that if you are struggling, we'll come to this maybe a little bit later on, some of the book recommendations. If you are struggling, that's natural. But if you look back, at I, it's kind of like climbing a mountain, right? If you look back on where you started and you look at where you are now, you've traveled such a great distance. So even though it's really tough, right? The closer you get and the higher it gets, more difficult it gets but you look back and you see how far that you have come and then you're able to keep going and you know that Jesus is with you all the way he will not leave you he will not abandon you I really sort of resonate with that around fifth year fourth year I was hitting those kind of points in the faith where I doubted things and there is a brilliant brilliant article by John Piper um, um, it's called do, do you go through emotions with God um, um, I think it's actually the article where he says like one of his most famous lines ever, not the seashells one though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's the one where he says, God is most glorified when you're most satisfied in him. Um, and that, yeah, I went back to that article many, many times over the years just because it's, it's such an encouragement. I think that we can look at our churches and maybe you, your church, you can look at your church and you think actually there's lots of saints here, but they're sleeping, right? This is something that got me whenever I was young. I was like, this, our churches are full of sleeping saints, just people who aren't passionate about Jesus. And I think I was unfair to lots of my older brothers and sisters. They'd just been through life and life is difficult and they were they were loving Jesus, but I just couldn't identify that. Um, you have you have to you have to know Jesus. You gotta experience him, you gotta love him, and that will that will transform your passions and your desires and all your actions and reactions. So if you're looking around your church and you're thinking, oh, this place is full of sleeping saints, it might be. But it's also probably f full of people who have really struggled at life and who have had many difficulties and who are still clinging on to Jesus. Mm. So don't be discouraged by that, but actually see the wisdom in older people and sit at their feet and learn from them as well.
All right, we're going to move on to our next section. This is just a little game we're going to play with John to uh, loosen things up a little bit. Um, we're going to call one of our members of committee and play a game, um, a little good game of charades. Today on the call, we have Leon. So hopefully he's not in the middle of a class. We'll just ring him up here. Hello? Leon, is that, is that you? Yeah, yeah. Have you got five minutes here? Yeah, yeah. Right, we're just, we're just going to play a wee game with you here, all right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm good. Right, here you Bye. go. Here's uh, John Graham to brighten right. up your morning. Yes, ma'am. Oh. Let's try. Oh, that was bad. I apologize. That was shocking, like. <laughs> it's not <laughs> easy. It's not easy. I don't know morning tunes as well. Like, I'm, I think I'm the most uneducated, like, normal person. I know so little. You can do this. You can do it. Okay, Leon, ready? Yeah. You're actually ready this time? Yeah. Okay. Okay, right. Starting five, four, three, two, one. Okay, there's a film about this place with a wolf named in it, and it's where all the American financial sector. What's that? Wolf in it. Wolf in No, no, it's where all like the stock exchanges in America are held, and they make all the money, and there was a crash. All right, pass it. Uh, so this is a really famous painting. And wherever. Yes, That's the one. Uh, so in the Bible, writes most of the New Testament, goes on lots of missionary journeys. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. No. Uh, well, the, the apostles or disciples. No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he, he he sees Jesus on a road. He's blinded. Fifteen seconds. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we go on. Right. You, this is your stuff that you get in McDonald's, or you can get it in... Okay. Yep, boom. Uh, where are we recording this? Uh, it's uh, where you go to worship God. Uh, Church. Yes. That's the one time. We got one more. That was three, I think. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thanks, Leon. Very good. <laughs> I don't know whether FaceTime actually helped you there, but... Anyway, good seeing you. That was shocking. <laughs> Okay, so thanks to Leon for providing no help in that game whatsoever. Um, I would imagine in the next few weeks we might get some better uh, better rounds of that game. Sure, we can rank whoever comes next. Um, but John, I don't think you'll be very high up. <laughs> um, I tried, I tried. Okay, so next we're going to do a little bit of a book review. Um, I asked John to bring along some of his favourite books for young people. Um, so that you guys at home can spend your time wisely here. You know, we've been given another opportunity um, where we spend loads of time at home and that can be good and that can be bad, but um, I definitely think that reading is one of the things that has picked up in my life over the past year. Um, and I think it's something that every Christian should at least try their hand at. John, just uh, throw out the names of the books you've brought and then we can sort of uh, sure. chat about what we've got here. Okay, so... Uh, a Fraud Voices by Andy Prime, really, really helpful on uh, the book of Proverbs, who am I listening to, the voices that we're listening to. Unlimited Grace by Brian Chappell, absolutely golden book. Uh, Gentle and Lowly by Dean Ortland, you may have seen this, knocking about social media. Uh, a new book out by Carl Truman, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Then we've got Evangelism as Exiles, uh, how, do, how can we evangelize during the culture that we're part of now? Concise Theology by J.I. Packer. We'll come back to all of these, but Concise Theology by J.I. Packer. Uh, the Weight of Glory by C.S. Lewis. 
Lead uh, by Paul Tripp, and then In the Year of Our Lord by Sinclair Ferguson. Half, half a library buffer. It's a little more than mine. I have brought with me three books. Read this last year, it's called Screwtape Letters. Mm. Golden book. book, absolutely good. Yeah, book. amazing book by C.S. Lewis. Brought this here, which is what I'm currently reading. It's a devotional by Paul Tripp and called New Morning Mercies, but obviously we'll get back to that. And then I brought this here, which is a more informational book. It's called um, Confronting Christianity. But sure. Again, well, absolutely great book. <laughs> Class. This is gifted to me, so I can't take credit. Actually, one that I didn't bring with me, but it's my daily devotion is Glenn Scrivener's Reading Between the Lines. Mm. Absolutely golden if. You did in fact bring that with you. Brand spanking new. for two copies. There it is, right? Beautiful, just out of the box. Um, reading between the lines, you have an Old Testament one and you have a New Testament one, and it takes you through the Bible in a year. Absolutely fantastic. It's about a page, about two pages a day uh, of writing that's very well spaced, so it's not intimidating. It's Christ-centered, it's punchy, it's very well written, and I worked through them last year, and I've started to work through them again this year. They're just fantastic, really, really good. So. That's my go-to. You're, you're reading Paul Tripp's devotion? Yeah, Paul Tripp's devotion. The reason it's sort of brought in the devotion isn't so much about the book itself, but um, they encourage everyone at home to get into a devotional book. Mm. Everyone does their devotions different ways. Some people use methods like soap, or we don't really know, know any others, or some people just read a passage of the Bible and kind of figure it out for themselves. But I find this this year to be really, really, really helpful in keeping a habit going. Um, mm. Especially since you're out of a routine, a devotional book is something that you can do to say, well, there's something there for me. I can make a routine, get into something. Um, especially since you're not going to school, you've got loads of time in the mornings. Um, but this book here, I do recommend. It's not just for teenagers, it's like for anyone. Um, and it's definitely um, something that's different from any other devotionals I've tried. This sort of leaves me wanting more. Whenever I was growing up, often the way I read my Bible was... And then just open it at a random page and then like, Yeah, and <laughs> like look at what what number I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start at verse seven. And then I'll read down and just hope it's almost like Bible bingo and mm. hope that the, hope that there's something in it for me. And obviously it's the word of God, so it's living and active. Wherever you read of it, it's gonna to speak to you. But it's not a great way to read the Bible, right? So the best way to read the Bible is actually to read a book right through from beginning to end or to pick up a devotion like Glenn Scribner's that takes you through all of scripture uh, so that you get a handle on the whole of the Bible. Mm. That it's not, it's not just dipping in here and here, but you can see how the whole thing fits together, that it's one story from beginning to end. It's all about God coming to save his people, his promise all the way through. Um, don't be discouraged if you miss a day or two. That's why mm. I really like Glenn Scribner's because it doesn't have dates, it has days. So for example, day 68 there. So if you miss a day or two, you can still pick it up and you can go back and pick up where you left off. Yeah, definitely. Um, I found throughout my time at the college, and even now, like I'm rubbish at reading the Bible. I should be definitely a lot better, but do not be discouraged. Like it's never a reason for you to stop reading your Bible altogether. Um, get plugged into your churches, watch your Sunday sermons, but also um, read your Bible throughout the week. Um, get to know God on a personal basis as well as in a corporate setting. What's your next book there, John? Okay, so carrying on from Paul Tripp, uh, he has a new big book called Lead. It's 12 Gospel Principles for Leadership in the Church. This is fantastic. You may say, John, I'm not planning to be a leader in the church. Uh, read it anyway. <laughs> it's really, really helpful. Some great wisdom in this book about what it means to be part of a, a Christian community. So Paul's, Paul's big argument here is that if you want to be 
fruitful in ministry or fruitful in your church setting, you need longevity. So you need to be there for a long time. And if you want to be there for a long time, the key to that is spiritual health. And what's the key to spiritual health? Well, the key to spiritual health is doing Christianity in community. He uses this line that we should make it easy for people to go fishing in our lives. So for accountability, right, I think that's really important for us that that there's one or two people that we really trust who can ask us the difficult questions. How are you getting on with your Bible reading? How are you getting on with your prayer life? How are you getting on with that struggle? Uh, and we make it easy for them to go fishing, that we don't put up barriers, mm. but actually we make it easy to be accountable to one another. Okay, uh, I read this uh, over the last few months, Jadal and Lully. I don't think I've heard of it. <laughs> so probably been on everyone's Instagram stories, but it's beautiful, that's why. Okay, it's a mm. lovely cover. Um, but the book is beautiful, right? It's so well written. And I think this book has probably changed me and changed my view of Jesus. And I wish I read it 10 years ago or 15 years ago or someone read it to me even before that because it's it's so rich and it's so wonderful. So some, of the, some of the things here that this book covers, it's a book, what, what's the book about? It's a book about the heart of Jesus, who Jesus is, what's he really like? Uh, and what's our saviour, what's his heart for his people? How does he react to us? So if you are um, suspecting that God's patience is wearing thin, if you suspect that you've deeply disappointed him, if you wonder if you've shipwrecked your faith completely and you're beyond repair, maybe you're feeling discouraged or weary or frustrated, or maybe you're feeling none of those things, this book's still for you, right? This is absolutely golden. Here's a line from it just to give you a taste. It says this, it says, Jesus sides with you against your sin, not against you because of your sin. He hates sin, but he loves you. And his heart is inflamed with pity and compassion for his people. He simply cannot give them up. Nothing could cause them, cause him to abandon them. They are his. He made you his own and you can't squirm out of his grasp. He will love you to the end because he cannot do otherwise. There is no exit strategy. He'll love you to the end. Your soul needs this and your mind needs this and it will change your view of Jesus for, for the good. So good. And it makes for a lovely Instagram with a coffee, right? <laughs> <laughs> Something similar. It's a little bit different than what traditional media is uh, in terms of a Christian writing, but the screw tape letters I read throughout the lower sixth, um, first term lower sixth, and it changed my view of you know what we traditionally see as heaven and hell and the spiritual sort of realm. So this is talking about a man who lives in World War Two Britain and uh, one of Satan's minions, his demons, is trying to um, pull him away from God. It goes through many, many struggles that we all have um, and how the devil might actually work. It was really um, transformational for me in my mind because it sort of went through the thought processes and the logic behind our sin. So I remember the first time I picked up that book, it was 2014, I think. I was in a charity shop. Mm. I was working for Eden Dairy Ministries and I was fixing some books. And I saw this C.S. Lewis book and I opened it and I started to read and I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is unreal. It's like pulling back the veil on spiritual warfare almost, right? Yeah, and exactly. it's, it's showing the insight of the enemy and the enemy's tactics, it'll blow your mind. It really will. And it, it's actually maybe a little bit frightening. Like yeah, whenever yeah. you read it to begin with, you're like, whoa, yeah. this is it's what's happening. It's sort of like 
I read it the first time and was like, he's talking about the devil and Satan and everything in detail here. Are we allowed to do this? <laughs> yeah. you know, this is dangerous. Yeah. Uh, we'll maybe change gear a little bit. This here book is called Concise Theology. It is excellent by J.I. Packer. Okay, so you'll have lots of questions like we all do. Okay, and say you have a question about angels or a question about demons. There are 94 chapters in this book heaven hell morality family prayer okay everything's in here elders and you'll get about a page on each subject right it's obviously not saying everything there is on the topic but it gives you a really good foothold and i continually go back to this book people ask me questions all the time this is one of the first books that i pick up because there's just lots of great wisdom in it lots of common sense there's lots of scripture contained in it and it gives you a a taste uh, of what the answer should be to most of these questions. What about what about do? Well, church history. I've been reading through this. Uh, Sinclair Ferguson in the year of our Lord. And if you're interested in church history, and maybe you're not interested in church history, you still should read this because we got to know what what was going on, and um, right from the early church through to our modern day. And it just really helps us put together the church and what's been happening in our past. Talks about the persecution of the the Christians under Nero, but pretty much it takes a century each chapter. And the chapters are only, again, maybe six, seven pages. So it's short, it's very readable, and it just makes you appreciate the history of the church. We often think we are the first generation of Christians Mm. and that we're doing this in isolation in a vacuum. And what we need to realize is that we're part of this great stream of Christianity. And to be able to trace our history to see how the Lord's been working out his purposes is fantastic. What do you got next? Okay, let's go for this. Evangelism as exiles. Uh, this is really trying to teach us how to do evangelism in a different culture. We're saying that we are foreigners in this land, that this world isn't our home. Uh, and this book is just really helpful at charting that for us. So we obviously have to do evangelism, right? We've got to tell people the good news of the gospel. It's sinful for us to hold it into ourselves and not to share people. A great line that I heard once is that we're just beggars showing other poor beggars where to find food. And we've got to do this. So we have to have our life on mission as strangers in a foreign land. So if you're, if you're thinking about evangelism, how can I do evangelism? How can I reach my school community? How can I reach my family, my friends, my sports club? This little book uh, is just absolutely excellent. Evangelism as Exiles. Voices by Andy Prime, an excellent book. And I think Relate Weekend looked at Proverbs uh, a little while ago. Uh, Trevor Pierce was over. This takes you through Proverbs, but it's really interesting the way that Andy Prime writes this. He picks up a guy's life who's just been converted on a big housing estate or a big housing development in Scotland. And he talks about how there's different voices competing for his heart. Mm. So his old friends are competing for it. Um, his internal sinful self's competing for it and then Christianity. And he, he steps you through this. It's a really short book. It's simple, but great wisdom. Voices, who am I listening to? Another book that I think is just so good, and I keep dipping in and out of this book, is called Unlimited Grace by Brian Chappell. I think that we can never overplay grace. We need to keep going back there. That's the, one of the fundamentals of the gospel. And Brian talks about how grace motivates our hearts. Whenever we fully understand grace, it changes who we are. Here's a line from this. He says, A Christian for whom the love of God is the highest priority is also the person most motivated and unable to serve the purposes of God. We will inevitably focus our resources of heart, soul, mind and strength 
on what or whom we love the most. And Brian just charts grace for us and he writes in such a warm and winsome way and whenever you're feeling maybe a little bit low or a little bit burnt out or you feel like Christianity is like running up an escalator mm. whenever it's going the other way, sitting down with a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and reading a chapter of this I find is it's just golden. It's like medicine to your soul. Final book, maybe? Yeah. I'll move on to my act. Oh, yes, yes, please. This one's great. This book here is by a woman called Rebecca McLaughlin. She has really sort of sat down and assessed the culture that we live in and said, all right, these are the main questions people are asking. Uh, how does Christianity answer them? Um, and so you've got things like homosexuality and science, probably some other questions that you're all asking. It's deep. I don't mm. remember half the points she makes, but it is really, really thought provoking. Rebecca McLaughlin is an absolute brain box. Like she is very, very smart and she has worked so hard at trying to unpick what's going on in our culture. And this book is so good for apologetics, for outreach, for, for helping us understand our faith. Um, I was doing an event up at Coleraine University. It was a grill a Christian night and I read this book in preparation for that because I was so nervous about some of the questions that, that I was going to get asked and it was so helpful. Just to, to piggyback on that is, is this book. It's new out, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Um, I think we, don't, we, we probably don't give enough brain power to thinking about where our culture is at. And at the moment at Hill Street, we're working through Daniel. We're thinking a little bit about that in Daniel chapter three. I think as a society and as a people, we are no longer in Jerusalem, but we have been carted off by this foreign entity to Babylon, right? So that's where we're living. We are, we are on a cart in Babylon and we're into this pantheon of false gods we're brought in and just like the children of Israel, we sit by the, the rivers of Babylon and we weep. And the good old days that we talk about, they're not coming back anytime soon unless God intervenes supernaturally by a spirit and brings revival. So we've got to know what's going on in our culture. We've got to, we've got to face that and we've got to know how to unpick it. We've got to know how to be faithful in it. And that's what Carl Truman starts to do in this book. It's called Cultural Amnesia. Expressive individualism and the road to sexual revolution. I would really recommend that you buy it and read the conclusion first. Okay, so go to the go to the, the end of the book, read the conclusion because that'll help you understand the rest of the book. It's charting that in the LBGTQ plus movement, how this is all came about by a revolution from um, some political thinkers and the rise of individualism mm. um, from the 1500s. Charts that all the way through. So it seems like we're going at 100 miles an hour with the sexual revolution, but really the groundwork and the foundations have been there for a long time. Mm. Really behind it all is this rise of individualism. So you'll hear in your school that I am who I am. I can do whatever I want to do. And that's the trajectory of our world. You do what you're doing, I do what I'm doing. You do you, I do me. And the gospel tells us something very different. The gospel says, this is who you are. This is who God is. And that there has to be a heart change. I just, I, this stuff fascinates me. I love to think about it. It's along the same lines as confronting Christianity. Okay, I think that's me on book reviews. People are probably sick. Uh, I have a little one here by C.S. Lewis called The Wheel of Glory. I, I got this little book, The Wheel of Glory. Um, and there's just, C.S. Lewis is just some fantastic lines. And he says, we're, we're part of this great crowd, but actually we're alone. And I think that's what, what where lots of us are at. We, we're in a crowd of people at school, we're in a crowd of people 
well, before Corona, yeah. <laughs> we're in a crowd of people and we're all going to these parties and events and all of the rest of it, but actually you strip that away and we're really alone. We've lost true friendship where we go for walks with people and we talk about, well, we're doing, we're doing lots of walks now, but we're talking about not just things or events, but actual ideas. Mm. So Socrates has a quote that uh, weak minds talk about people, middle minds talk about events, and strong minds talk about ideas. That's really, really helpful. Weak minds talk about people, middle minds talk about events, strong minds talk about ideas. Mm. And if I can encourage you, we're kind of going off the way around here, yeah, but if I can encourage you to be a, a generation who tries to change and set culture, think about culture. Think about the culture that your friendship group generates. What's the culture of your conversation? Are you being swept along with the latest movement that's on Instagram stories, right? Yeah. That everybody jumps on. Uh, and it's this social justice, it's, it's this, it's that, but actually it's peeling back that layer and seeing well, what's really behind this all? Let's unpick the culture, let's unlock this, let's pull back the thinking on it. We live out the word, that which we've been taught in deed and truth. Um, and that's, yeah, that's something that maybe our world's been missing for a long, long time. Jesus has to change our hearts. That's what Gentle and Lowly is so good at talking about, right? That, that this is Jesus' heart and this is how it warms ours. And I think it, if you're following doctrine maybe, or you're reading doctrines. Again, you're operating up here. Doctrine's crucial. But what does that, what does that look like for me in my day-to-day -day life? Well, it looks like whenever I'm really struggling with doubt, or whenever I'm in the room alone, and I am not sure if I'm a Christian, and having all of these mm. thoughts, the doctrine of union to Christ, that I am His, that I am held in His hand, that I'm connected to Him, that He will always be for me, not against me. And that has to warm our hearts again to, to help these temptations or thoughts of the enemy disperse. Right? Mm. We've got to take doctrine and apply it to our hearts. And there's a wee bit of work involved in that, mm. I think. To name two other guys from church history, John Calvin, Jonathan Edwards. John Calvin, Reformation, Jonathan Edwards, involved with the, the spread of the gospel in America, the American revival, mm. Great Awakening. John Calvin often talked about doctrine in an unbelievable way. Christian Institutes, he has been so helpful in church history. Jonathan Edwards takes Calvin and he starts to really apply it into our hearts. Uh, he, he says that we can't just leave doctrine aloof, you know, it can't just be out there somewhere. It has to be in our hearts and I encourage you to do that, right? And do that with each other, talk about it. We can push each other to, to dig deeper into scripture. That's what we want to do. Peter, we, we've been talking here for a little bit um, about different things. How do you see, how do you see things at Learning College? You, I was there only a few weeks back, uh, just before Christmas, talking, and you were saying, what, what, what can we do as an issue? What do, what do you see? What do you chart or perceive to be some of the biggest challenges for, for folks at, at your age, at your stage mm. in SU? Um, three good question, I think. Um. Definitely something that we struggle as an SU probably is that we find it hard to engage sometimes with the Word of God and also those around us with the Word of God. I've been asking lots of um, speakers this year what's the best thing SU could do because um, it's probably investing in our own personal relationships with God. I, I think we can often look for a, a quick fix, right? And what we got to realize is that if we read Mark's gospel, for example, or any of the gospels or the Bible in general, and 
we are saying that Jesus is who he says he is. Yeah. That Jesus is the Son of God, that he came here to save people from their sin, and I'm putting my faith and trust in him. It's, it's a long process. To be a Christian, you've got to put some really helpful things in place. And it's a, it's a matter of practice and routine. Mm. So put a good rhythm in place. What's our rhythm? Our rhythm is we worship God every Sunday, twice on a Sunday if possible, if your church has two services. Well, what's our other rhythm? Well, we usually meet for prayer at some stage during the week and you're in your SU meeting. Being consistent, being all in to this, saying, I'm going to be there and commit to being there. Whenever I was going through Portadown College, I, I don't think I missed a rugby practice in four years, right? And, well, well done. What do you want, the Blue Peters? Do like, <laughs> you know what I mean? What do you want? But what I'm trying to say is that, you know, a rainy day, some of the boys were like, nah, can't be bothered. And it's the same for Christianity. We just got to be there. Get yourself there. Drag yourself there. You'll not feel like it. You'll feel low. You'll feel weary. You'll feel tired. That's all screw tape letters. That's one of the tactics of the enemy. But whenever you get there, whenever you sit under God's word, whenever you meet with God's people, inevitably you're encouraged, right? It's slow and that's how God works. That's how sanctification works. It's like a graph that's always going steadily upward. It's not a graph that goes along and then goes boom shoots straight up right that's not what happens it's it's a slow slow process yeah and that, that's an encouragement especially for those who we talked about at the start who are maybe doubting their faith just because there's no progress doesn't mean that god isn't there you know god doesn't shoot us right up to the top of the christian spectrum and then we plateau for the rest of our lives you know our lives are a, a series of ups and downs and god is always there with you in that um, and that you know if you have the Holy Spirit living in you and dwelling in you, then that's an encouragement for us, isn't it? The Bible says, or one of the doctrines that we believe about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is given and God cannot revoke it. Mm. It's given irrevocably. He is living within you forever. So today, if you have sinned and you think, that's it, it's all over for me. I've, I've messed up for the final time. I've repeated this sin or whatever it may be. I've, I've slept with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. I have... Whatever it may be, whatever great sin that you think that you've committed, there's forgiveness. Mm. And the heart of Christ actually says that Jesus doesn't run away from us in our sin or turn his back from us in our sin. He actually runs to us in our sin. Mm. We mess up with God and we think, right, that's it. I'm going to put big distance between God and myself. God's really angry at me. we got to understand that all of God's wrath was satisfied in the cross. Mm. That Jesus bore the punishment for all of our sin so that we can stand in the presence of our God, as Hebrews says, and we can approach him with confidence. I think that's, that's what transforms us again and again, the gospel being told. Union to Christ, you need to know that you've been adopted and that you're part of God's family and that he has saved you by his grace. Right. And that's your identity. Right. I don't know if that's helpful. <laughs> yes, we've gone way over time. So that is, <laughs> that is brilliant. More than we could ever ask for. Um, John, if there's one... If there's one book that you would recommend to anyone to read, I think I know what it is, but if there's one book for anyone to read, what would it be? Yeah, it, it has to be Gentle and Lowly mm. um, because it'll change, your, it'll change your opinion of Jesus mm. and you'll be able to see Jesus for who he really is. Yeah. And I think that'll change your life. So. Aside from the Bible, of course. Of course. You've got to read the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Get into your devotionals. Yeah, but gentle and lowly. Get it ordered. Yeah. Listen, thank you to everyone who has tuned in. Um, this has just been the short experiment of what these can be like. I hope this has really been something that you can be encouraged by, something that you can have a bit of fun with. 
um, something that'll help you relax throughout the week. And without further ado, um, John, are you in a relationship? I'm <laughs> not, no. There you go. Lower six girls, there's your question answered. Um, good to see you all, and I hope that you have a lovely week. And we'll be back in two weeks with Rico from Exodus. See you then. <laughs> 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 <laughs>